Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. minute where we take a look at how things could have been different in Mad Max to the Road Warrior one minute at a time. I'm Rick and I'm Julia and today we're talking about minute 93 which begins with our final look at Max and it ends with credits for the stunt team. I find it amusing that you use that phrasing we wonder how it could have been because that's the subject we specifically aren't allowed to talk about. Oh yeah we spent way too much time with the what if yeah. Game. <laughs> so now we're going to do a whole episode about what if. The difference between that and what we're going to do today is that we are going to be working off a very specific text. It is the screenplay for Bad Backs to the Road Warrior that we found way back before we started. And we talked a lot about it and we've brought it up from time to time. But we've been a little silent on it lately because we've noticed some pretty big departures from what we saw in the final movie. And so we figured we'd just talk about it all at once right here. Yeah. In the screenplay, the whole climax scene is almost completely different. Mm -hmm. Lots of small similarities, but lots of glaring differences. Yeah. So before we get to that, we open Minute 93 with the continued shot of Max standing beside the lone wolf as the camera is moving away. And it's going to go for about six seconds until it fades to black, and then the end credits begin. We're not going to say too much about the end credits because we want to focus on other stuff. The first thing we hear is the continuation of the narrator from Minute 92, where he says, only in my memories. I like that he's specific about my memories. Mm. Tells me that everybody else who took part in this adventure is dead. It's a good point. Which makes sense, because he was a child when he did it, and there were no other children around, which is kind of surprising that there were no other children, but there weren't. So it would make sense that he's the only one left yeah. to tell the story, which makes the telling of the story all that much more important, because he's the only one that can now. Yeah. If he's the only one that can remember it, then he needs to make sure that there are other people in the Great Northern Drive that can pass along that legacy. It also means that we are very specifically getting his point of view. Right. The story as he sees it, the story as he remembers it, as holes were filled in for him by, we believe, mostly by the gyro captain. We notice throughout this entire story that either the gyro captain or the feral child were in almost every scene and scenes that they weren't in nothing really happened like the time when max was going out to get the rig the time between when he encountered the feral child to when he encountered the gyro captain nothing happened mm -hmm. he pretty much just walked from a to b so that tells me that this is a conglomerate between the two stories and experiences yep a conglomerate that he has nurtured and cultivated and probably changed a detail or two because that's what happens when people tell stories <laughs> yes he is absolutely an unreliable narrator that kind of sounds harsh yeah but that's the phrase that is used for somebody that has the ability to change the narrative as they please which mm. he does so can we really trust him that this is 100 percent true no we can't but at the same time i would definitely argue that he may be unreliable but he's really the only narrator we got so oh yeah it's one of those things we could hem and haw <laughs> what is the truth 
feral child slash grown-up chief guy. Nope. This is our truth. Yep. That also, continuing down that line of thought, also makes me wonder how other people who were there might have told the story differently. Mm -hmm. The first person who came to my mind was Big Rebecca. How would the story be different if she was the one telling it? I imagine it would be drastically different. Yeah. She played a big role in this movie in kind of an odd way. I wouldn't call her necessarily a main character. I think she's a very prominent secondary character. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call her a main character. She doesn't do enough. Yeah. The one thing that Big Rebecca has going for her is that she lives. Like, I would love to see this story from Papagallo or Zeta or the Warrior Woman's perspective, but none of them survive. Part of telling your story is being able to survive to the end of it. Yeah, I think that's a key element to the adage that history is told by the victors. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Big Rebecca and the Feral Child and the Gyro Captain, they're the victors. Mm. So they're the ones telling the story. Yeah. I think I like the fact that this is a movie told from a specific character's perspective and we're not just following in some sort of omniscient viewpoint. It's not incredibly obvious that that's what's happening, though. I think we're led to believe that this is an omniscient viewpoint focusing on Max. And it's not. It's told by a narrator with filled-in info who has an almost obsession with Max. Yeah. Well, I mean, Max only knew the compound for a couple of days, but his influence changed their future forever. Absolutely. Quite the legacy to leave. And just on a personal level, for the feral child, he had a huge impact. I mean, finally, the feral child met somebody that he wanted to be like when he grew up, which actually doesn't speak well. Of the other people in the compound? Yeah. That he never felt that way about anybody else, like Papagallo? But I think, yeah, Max was the first person that he encountered and was like, oh, you, I want to be like you. So this is pretty much it. We're done. This road warrior has completed. Yeah. This is it. Wow. If people wanted to stop listening at this point, they very well could because there's no movie left. Right. Please do not stop listening at this point. (laughs) We've got some really good stuff planned. Right. For the next few days. At least two more episodes. We're going to go all the way through to minute 95 to the end of the credits. And we've got some cool stuff lined up. For today specifically, we've got, as I mentioned before, the screenplay. So we are picking up, where are we picking up in the screenplay, Julia? So we're going to start right when Papagallo accepts that Max is going to be part of the scheme and is going to drive the rig. Mm -hmm. And he tosses Max his sawn-off shotgun and a bandolier containing six cartridges. Okay. That's where we're going to start. Same number of cartridges, a little more organized, official manner of handing them over in a bandolier rather than in a piece of cloth. So I'm going to post a link to the screenplay so that people can follow along if they want. We're starting at the tail end of shot 125, right before 126. Yep. And if people are interested, I would encourage an entire read-through of the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Lots of little things are different. Many things that we never brought up. So it's a very interesting read. Yep. So I'll put a link on Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone so people can find that easily enough. Yep. After Max is tossed the bandolier... With the shotgun shells, we cut over viewing the cracking tower, high angle, whole scene. It's during the day. We've got the tanker at the far end of the compound. Behind it, the gyro captain. He's spinning up the rotor on his machine. And then one of the big standout differences that I can already see is that it's not just the lone wolf car that's getting ready to accompany the tanker, but there's also a dune buggy. And both of them have been armor-plated with additional defenses that we really didn't see in the production. And... 
beyond the gate, the Marauders have lined up, but they've also made more of a semicircle barricade with their vehicles. Well, cut back, because you jumped, you went too fast. Did I? Well, yeah, I have something to say about the Doom Buggy. Oh, okay. The Doom Buggy, I can't remember when, but we talked about why was there only one support car that went with them, and it would have made much more sense for, at the very least, two vehicles to go... So that there could be one on each side, and so things could be covered in a strategic way. Mm -hmm. I imagine that the cut of the dune buggy, which also cuts down on the people who go, was probably a budget logistics thing. Yeah. I think, so we're back inside the compound. Max sits in the tanker, checking out the controls, familiarizing himself with the machine. Warrior Woman stands on the running board. She turns as the mechanic clambers on board. He glares at her, daring her to stop him. And the mechanic, he says pretty much the same thing he said to her in the movie. Yeah. That he put blood and sweat into this tanker and he's not going on no lousy bread van. A difference there being they want him to go in the bread van, which I think the bread van is the ambulance van. Yeah. It's referred to again in here. And I think that they were going to put him in an extra safe space, <laughs> which is like extra demeaning. Yeah. And so I don't blame him for not wanting to go in the bread van. Yeah. Instead of in the bus. I like that they included this line in the final cut of the movie. Because this line is when they're all in the circle and Warrior Woman and him are having an argument about him wanting to be on the tanker. So I like that that was a planned line from the very start here. And yeah. that they just moved it somewhere else. Because it is a really good line. It is a really good line. So Max starts up the engine. Cutting outside the compound, Wes is standing on the back of a tow truck instead of being lashed down to Humongous's machine there. This is an incredibly important difference. Mm -hmm. Wes being on a leash tied to Humongous's machine, I think was a really big character detail for yeah. Wes and his relationship to Humongous. So not having it feels weird. It does. The Humongous vehicle eases forward into the frame. We see that there are still two victims on the front of the vehicles and they have their heads Hooded. Back inside the compound again, Max is revving the engine higher and higher. Warrior Woman climbs up to the top of the tanker, and Papagallo starts the assault vehicle. Warrior Woman finds the feral child crouched down in her position behind the protective plate. Holding the kid by his arm, she passes him down to Max, who passes him down to the ground. Papagallo yells for someone to come and take him. <laughs> I like the idea that they are passing him like a bread sack or something like that, that he wasn't hiding down behind the cab, that he was up in the fortified position. She's like, no, this is mine. Pick him up, pass him along. Yeah. The lusty girl. Lusty girl is... Arky. Arky. Mm -hmm. Lusty girl runs forward. The feral kid avoids her. Max engages the engine. The tanker rumbles forward, gathering speed as it runs the length of the compound. Big Rebecca, at the wheel of the school bus, draws the vehicle aside, revealing the burnt-out wreck of the road racer on the causeway and the marauders beyond. Back outside the compound, we get the shot of the humongous opening his gun case and removing the Magnum 44 and the remaining four bullets. This is the loading shot that we eventually see in the final film as well. Yep. The dune buggy and the lone wolf machine follow close behind the tanker. Feral Kid leaps onto the back of Papagallo's vehicle, which mm -hmm. is a very, very, very important change. He's not on the rig. He's on Papagallo's lone wolf. The warrior woman and the mechanic lie low as the tanker roars out of the gate, plowing through the burnt out wreck, knocking it into the ditch. This section makes it sound like the warrior woman and the mechanic are the only two on the tanker. Yeah. Which would be a departure. But just hold on to that thought for a little while. Okay. It's going to change. 
The Humongous raises his gun, calmly taking aim at the oncoming tanker. As the tanker accelerates toward him, the gyrocopter swoops out of the compound and over the marauders. The gyro captain drops three burning Molotov cocktails. They fall in and around a road racer at one end of the arc. Road racer bursts into flames. The gyro captain whoops with delight. Which is lovely that that stayed in. Mm -hmm. I love that the gyro captain was useful and made a difference. And that was original to the story and it stayed in, made it to the end. I like it. Going to the breakout outside the compound. With the lone wolf machine and the dune buggy close alongside, Max steers the tanker towards the burning road racer. So the raiders have a big old semicircle set up. They're going to try and box everybody in, but they light one of the end vehicles on fire and that's where Max goes. As Max turns, the humongous fires once, the bullet dents the protective plate mounted to the front of the tanker he fires twice and then three times for two more dents which explains why when we were watching the movie it looked like there was a third dent ready to happen yes absolutely that they didn't end up using and of course the bullets do nothing the tanker just keeps crashing through the burning wreck breaking the marauders cordon so on board the gyrocopter with the captain the captain has banked around and is swooping low. Having swung around, the captain swoops down, taking aim on the humongous machine with another fistful of lighted bottles. The humongous looks up. He swings the revolver up, taking aim at the approaching gyrocopter. He fires. The bullet hits, piercing the right rudder pedal. Dropping his bottles, the gyro captain screams and looks down. Blood pours from what is left of his right foot. I really <laughs> wish they had kept this in the movie. Because it was very vague what actually happened to him. Yes, and a foot injury is perfect because, generally speaking, it's not life-threatening, mm -hmm. but it does limit his mobility. Right. He's not going to be a long-distance runner anytime soon now. Right. So, yeah, I do kind of wish they'd kept that in. On the rise outside the compound, Max glances up to see the gyrocopter flying erratically, swoop over and bank away towards the horizon. On top of the tanker, Warrior Woman and the mechanic prepare to fire their weapons. Behind them, the humongous and his horde power over the rise, pursuing the tanker. Suddenly, three of the Marauder vehicles skid to a halt. They start to turn back towards the compound, where the remaining camp vehicles are making their bid for freedom. For instance, the bread van and three other vehicles have followed the yellow school bus out onto the causeway. They skirt around to the back of the compound. They head off just like in the final movie. The Humongous screams at the men who have stopped over his amplifier. He says, the tanker, all on the tanker. And those three Marauder vehicles turn to rejoin the tanker chase. And then, woomph, a massive flash fills the sky and the camp erupts in flame. We still get the explosion, but we don't get the raiders going into it. I love how a scene that was so impactful to us, especially visually, the explosion of the compound, is just a sentence or two mm -hmm. in the screenplay. They don't translate between the two. Yeah, it just says the camp people have destroyed what they cannot take. Mm -hmm. So we join the dune buggy on the highway. As the tanker surges towards us, we see the dune buggy, the lone wolf machine, and the pursuing marauders surrounding it. Max grimaces as he changes gears. His leg is bleeding freely now. He looks to the passenger side. The dune buggy, driven by the blacksmith, manned by Pismo, leaps onto the road in front of the tanker. I believe that Pismo is a renamed Zeta. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no Zeta in the screenplay at all, but from what I've seen of this Pismo character, kind of fills the same role. Okay. And the blacksmith is somebody we've never met before. Yeah. I mean, there is that guy wearing the brown apron. That's probably him. Probably. A tow truck manned by skinheads converges on it from the driver's side. On the back of the dune buggy, Pismo lifts his crossbow, unaware 
that behind him, Wes's convertible tow truck is approaching fast. The first of the two skinheads on the back of the tow truck fires crossbow. The arrow sails past Pismo's ear. Pismo fires. He hits the first skinhead, but the arrow bounces off the skinhead's protective armor. The skinhead grins. Pismo hurries to reload. The second skinhead raises his bow, aiming at Pismo. An arrow hits the second skinhead in the back of the head. Pismo looks up to see Warrior Woman reloading her longbow. Pismo grins at her. Behind him, Wes's arm reaches down, hooks the jib chain around the roll bar of the dune buggy. It's not exactly clear in the text, you gotta read it very closely, but it sounds like Wes's tow truck has come up close enough to the dune buggy that Wes was able to just hitch the chain to it. Yeah, not without, even Without, like, it. throwing it. <laughs> yeah. The tow truck accelerates, the chain tightens, Pismo screams as he is thrown through the air. Wes's tow truck drags the dune buggy askew. It rolls in front of the tanker, Max has no choice. The cowcatcher shunts the dune buggy aside, sending it tumbling off the road. That's a sad scene. Yeah. Max had no choice but to run over his own people. Yeah. So Pismo, when the dune buggy got flipped, was thrown off. So there's nothing that can be done about him. Yeah. What I'm noticing is that the screenplay, just a lot more is happening. Yes. A lot more shots are being fired. From both sides. I love that the warrior woman is helping out Pismo. Yes! She's not just sitting there with her bow doing diddly. Yeah. It's just a much more active battle. So Max struggles to keep control of the rig. The mechanic hurls a Molotov cocktail. And then all of a sudden we get the farmer, Mm -hmm. who I don't think we've ever met before. He's on the tanker, apparently. The farmer is stationed at the rear of the tanker. He does the same. He throws a Molotov cocktail. I think the farmer is in Zeta's position. Yeah, I think so. On like this low, fortified platform. Yeah. The two bottles smash into the first road racer. It bursts into flames, swerves right in front of another road racer, and ramps off the road, plunges into the Marauder's dune buggy. So they create like this big crash Probably this was the inspiration for the series of crashes that ends up with Guy Norris flying through the air, Mm. breaking his leg. Hearing that, I can imagine the two bottles fly, they smash on the car, it lights on fire, they swerve, they get launched off the road, which we saw in the movie, got launched off the road. But the car that we saw get launched after it got lit on fire just crashed into the dirt instead of crashing down on top of a buggy. Yes. Which sounds incredibly complicated to set up as a stunt. It does. It's so much easier to put this stuff on paper than to actually execute it. Yeah. So Papagallo, who has been forced off the road, he's trying to regain the road and has to avoid the wreck that has happened just in front of him. Next, we got part 136, where Max loses his door. The skinhead tow truck draws alongside the tanker near Max's door, so they must have lost the buggy that they were towing. The second skinhead, twirling a grappling hook, lets it fly. It trails out towards the tanker cabin, flies through the driver's window, and lands virtually in Max's lap. As the tow truck swerves away from the tanker, the cable tightens. The grappling hook drags across Max's arm, tearing away part of the sleeve, and it hooks on the door. And then the tow truck breaks, and Max's door is ripped off the hinges. Which is exactly how it goes down in the movie, except for it's no longer Wes with the grappling hook. Yeah, they definitely made Wes more of a destructive force in the movie than he is here. Yeah, which I like that change. So back at the rear of the tanker, a smegma crazy riding in the cabin of the tow truck is encouraged by his success. He begins twirling his grappling hook as the vehicle approaches the back of the tanker. Farmer pops up from behind a protective plate, fires his crossbow. The arrow misses the tow truck, flies through the caged window of a road racer armed with a four-pack, 
and lodges in the driver's helmet. I love this. So he missed the car he was shooting for, but hit the car behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't do any damage, but that's amusing nonetheless. Yeah. Especially this next part. The driver pulls off his helmet. The arrow has barely creased his scalp. The smegma crazy hurls his grappling hook. It catches the farmer by the leg and hooks on to the lip of the back of the protective plate. The cable snaps taut. The farmer screams. Max feels the sudden tug on the tanker and he changes down. Tow truck is dragged along, veering out of control. The strain pops the rivets off the tanker's back plate, comes off in one piece, carrying away the farmer and the steel aprons protecting the rear wheels. Oh. So, yep, again, that happens exactly the same as the movie, but pointing out something that we never really thought of is that now the protective plating for the rear wheels is gone. Mm. The tow truck tumbles and rolls. Up on top of the tanker, the mechanic has lit another Molotov because he just threw one. He swings back to throw. The road racer, armed with a four-pack, swings alongside and fires. Three arrows, rat-a-tat against the protective plates. The fourth hits the mechanic's upraised arm. Just like in the movie, the bottle drops and smashes on top of the tanker, spreading flames. Meanwhile, the humongous accelerates hard towards the now undefended rear of the tanker. He pulls a rope, whipping the hoods of the heads off the two victims lashed to the front. They scream as the back of the tanker looms in front of them. So at this point, both victims are still alive. Yes, not one of them alive, one of them crushed in the forehead. Right. Yeah. Next, we see Wes take out the first tire. Max looks in the passenger side mirror. Side note real quick before I keep going. A lot of this happens in the framework of Max looking in his mirrors, Mm -hmm. which I find a little unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's in his rear view mirror. Like, why does he even have a rear view mirror? He's in a tanker. He can't see. All he can see is the tanker. Yeah. Anyways. So Wes's convertible tow truck is drawing alongside the left rear wheels of the prime mover noisily turn my page. Wes fires an arrow into the first tire. It explodes, flailing cable and rubber, which is a reaction we never see in the movie. Right, but it's the thing that you would actually see in real life. Yes. As Wes reloads another mohawker wearing two bizarre bear claws on his crossbow gauntlets, which I love that description of a character that we find endearing in a bad way, is described so like casually and randomly right bizarre bear claws on his crossbow gauntlets he steadies himself on the back of the tow truck ready to jump aboard the tanker papagala's lone wolf machine appears in the background we go to the top of the tanker where warrior woman turns to see that the mechanic is losing the battle with the flames which is such an understatement in vain he tries (laughs) to stop his clothes catching a light with a small bag of water which is Something he eventually does in the movie, but he tries the padding method first, which was so dumb. Rising to her feet, Warrior Woman fires an arrow at the Bear Claw Biker, hitting him in the protective pad, throwing him off balance. As Warrior Woman scrambles along the top of the tanker towards the mechanic, two marauders fire at her. She is hit, once in the protective plate around her kidneys and once in the thigh. From the Lone Wolf vehicle, Papagallo and the Feral Kid watch as she staggers forward. So she's not so much shot in the gut, she's just shot in the leg, so she's not able to move around as much. In the tow truck, Wes has reloaded and fires at Warrior Woman. This is where it actually does damage, where the arrow hits her in the back. She buckles and falls into the barbed wire. And of course, Max just watches helplessly in the rear version mirror as she struggles in the wire. The biggest difference here is that Papagallo is present for this. Mm -hmm. In the movie, Papagallo disappears pretty early on in the chase, and then all hell breaks loose. Everything falls apart. He comes back and is like, Max, what the heck did you do? Yeah. So definitely different in the screen. 
We are on the convertible tow truck. As Wes reloads his crossbow, the lone wolf machine accelerates alongside the tow truck. The kid throws a steel boomerang, hitting Wes's crossbow gauntlet, preventing him from aiming. We never talked about the fact that the feral child didn't have his boomerang with him. Right. It was in his bindle when he tried to leave with Max, but we never saw it after that. No. And it would have been a handy thing to have. Mm -hmm. Now, going at speed like that, there's no way he could have thrown it that it came back to him. He'd have one shot, but, you know, do something useful with the one shot, which he does. Exactly. The masked mohawker driving the tow truck turns to see Papagallo firing his gauntlet crossbow. Papagallo has a weapon, and he's actually using it. Yep. I think there are a few shots in the movie itself where you can see Papagallo wearing a wrist-mounted crossbow. Yes. But they're so quick and so small. Right. Who... Was it you that said that the prop just wasn't working out, so they took it off? I think so. Yeah. I think that's the idea. The masked mohawker screams as the arrow passes through his neck. The convertible tow truck swerves in and bounces off the tanker, which is a move we see throughout the chase. Mm -hmm. The vehicle's like bouncing off of the tanker. Wes is thrown off balance. Bearclaw biker grabs the barbed wire on the sides of the tanker for support. Tow truck swerves away out of control, leaving Bearclaw biker clinging to the wire. Wes scrambles over to the driver's seat bringing the vehicle back under control. We rejoin the warrior woman as she's caught up in the wire by her clothing, and she's struggling to remain conscious as she slips closer to the tanker's wheels. The mechanic, who has managed to extinguish his flames, crawls towards her, her clothing tearing, his hand reaches out further, further, and grabs her, but a road racer draws up alongside them. Max yells as he sees the driver, a gay boy berserker, fire another arrow into the mechanic. The mechanic shudders, the warrior woman slips, and her weight drags them both down off the tanker. This is such a better scene than what we got. It's very similar. It's almost identical. Really, the only difference is that the mechanic gets shot in the screenplay, and I think that's important. In the movie, he just fell. Yeah. And there was no reason for it. It was just a pathetic way to die. Mm. So at least here, it's clear that he was trying to save the warrior woman's life. Yeah. And he died for it. So back to Max, he's seen what happened to the warrior woman, and he's enraged. He tears off the sling that is supporting his wrist and grabs the shotgun off the seat next to him. He swings the gun around and pumps both barrels into the road racer. The first blast shatters the windscreen, the second blows off the bonnet. The gay boy berserker is unharmed, which is a disappointing difference from the movie. Yeah. Max hauls down hard on the wheel. The tanker swerves into the road racer taking it through a guidepost into the rough. The tanker barrels over the road racer, rolling it, tumbling it into another Marauder's vehicle. Max changes down, hurls the tanker back onto the highway. The Bearclaw biker hangs on desperately. I kind of imagine it from his point of view. He's holding onto barbed wire as Max is just flinging the tanker back and forth on and off the road. Max grabs two of the four remaining cartridges, reloads the shotgun. And so now we start to see some boarding maneuvers. The humongous machine draws up behind the undefended tanker. A gay boy berserker clambers onto the front of the humongous's vehicle between the two victims and leaps onto the back of the tanker, just like we saw in the film. Further along the tanker, a mohawk biker with someone called Pillion Rider has drawn alongside. Pillion Rider helps the Bearclaw Mohawk swing up above the wire. Once he's on top, Bearclaw Biker hauls the Pillion Rider on board. The Mohawk biker accelerates alongside the leading set of wheels, one of which has already been blown apart. He raises his bow-taking aim. The flying steel bell of the shredded tire lashes around his arm, dragging him and his bike beneath the rig. The giant wheels trample the man and the machine 
spitting them out the back, which we saw in the film, but there was none of this shredded tire and steel belt grabbing his arm. It was just a random knock and pull. Like, we didn't get that sense that that was happening when we saw it in the movie. Yeah, it makes me think that this is what was supposed to be happening, that he got caught by a piece of shredded tire. It just didn't translate to the screen. Nope. Under the tanker, on its way through, the bike has ruptured a small hose underneath the tanker. We see something trickling out of the tank, streaming down the road. It's sand. I'm trying to think back to us actually watching the movie, and I don't think we saw that lower spout trailing sand until the bike got sucked under and run over. Yeah, so I think just like in the screenplay in the movie, that's what did it. Up on top of the tanker, the gay boy berserker that mounted off of the Humongous' vehicle scrambles towards the cabin, leaping the gap between the tank and the prime mover. Max looks up at the thump overhead, and the gay boy berserker braces himself, taking aim through the roof. He fires. The arrow rips through the metal and buries itself in the seat between Max's legs. The gay boy berserker prepares to reload, but Max breaks. The Humongous, tailgating him, isn't quite quick enough, and the front of the vehicle smacks one corner of the tanker, crushing the broken man strapped to the front. The Gabor Berserker on the roof, however, pitches forward, falling past the windscreen and out of sight over the front of the tanker. The Pillion Rider and the Bear Claw Biker scramble and fall. The Bear Claw Biker catches hold of an outlet valve and steadies himself. The Pillion Rider totters, reaches, and grabs the chromed exhaust stacks and screams as the pipe scorches his hand. He lets it go and tumbles over the side. <laughs> so you can see lots of little details that ended up in the movie. Just done at different times or done by different people but a lot of it's there there's just less of it yeah i'm definitely more satisfied by max using his shotgun to take out the gay boy berserker that was shooting through the roof mm -hmm. i am a little sad that we don't get pillion rider who dies because he grabs something hot and it makes him ow yeah that would have been that would have been good <laughs> So we join the gyro captain again. On the crest of a hill about 400 yards ahead, Max sees another vehicle. The gyrocopter stands in the middle of the road, facing away from the chase. What? He's in the middle of the freaking road. Why? Okay. I suppose that's where he landed. So that's where he's going to do his thing. But why in the middle of the road? Come on, pull off to the side. <laughs> the gyro captain has bandaged his foot and is trying to repair the right rudder pedal. As the chase looms up behind him, he turns. We see that the gay boy berserker is clinging to the cow catcher on the front of the tanker. Furiously, the gyro captain starts spinning the rotor by hand, turning over the motor. As the tanker bears down on him, he takes off, so steeply that he almost stalls. I like that by the wording. You can tell he took off like an airplane. Yeah. Not like a helicopter. So exactly like he's supposed to. Once he's airborne, he looks down, assessing and cursing. Down below, we see Papagallo's lone wolf vehicle draw alongside Wes's convertible tow truck. Off the road, Wes looks over his shoulder and Papagallo comes up alongside. The feral kid is standing on the back of the machine, hands Papagallo a crossbow. Wes wrenches down hard on the wheel, shunting into the lone wolf vehicle, sending Papagallo's arrow astray. The feral kid loses his footing, tumbling off the side of the vehicle. Papagallo turns in dismay as Wes continues in to shunt him again. We rejoin Max. A bike with a sidecar accelerates alongside the tanker. The sidecar rider fires and takes out another tire. Bearclaw biker signals, calling for a weapon. Sidecar rider throws him a large, powerful crossbow. Bearclaw biker catches it, starts to haul himself onto the roof of the cabin. 
The sidecar rider leaps onto the tanker. Right there, there are way more marauders on the tanker Mm -hmm. than happens in the movie, which seems more accurate. It's just being swarmed. Yeah. At the rear of the tanker, a smegma crazy leaps off the front of Humongous' vehicle and onto the ladder, which leads to the top of the tanker. So this is yet another raider jumping from Humongous' vehicle. Yes, a second one. We find the feral kid off the road. The feral kid staggers to his feet as Wes's tow truck and Papagallo's lone wolf vehicle continue their shunting. The kid turns, a streetcar and a bike are roaring towards him, and the kid starts running. We are off-road near an erosion ditch. In the scrub ahead over Wes's shoulder... We see an erosion ditch looming up. Wes breaks and turns the wheel. The tow truck and the lone wolf machine go into a slide. Wes manages to avoid the ditch and keep going, but the lone wolf machine's wheels plunge into the ditch, bringing the vehicle to an abrupt halt. Back in the rig, as Max looks back, a hand comes over the front bull bar of the tanker, followed by the gay boy berserker's head. He sees the bear claw biker and signals for the crossbow. The bear claw biker throws it, and the crossbow lands on the bonnet. Max turns, sees him, and raises the shotgun. The gay boy berserker ducks. Max waits, because that's what you do when someone goes into cover. You wait. The bear claw biker works his way to Max's window. The smegma crazy jumps from the tanker onto the cabin roof, so he's got three guys that are all around him. Max looks up as the man's feet thump into the metal above his head. The passenger window shatters. The sidecar rider is there, raising his crossbow. On the roof, The Smegma Crazy braces himself, preparing to fire a crossbow bolt through the roof. Max raises his shotgun, firing point-blank at the sidecar rider, blowing him away. Immediately, he fires the second barrel through the roof, just like we saw. The blast hurls the Smegma Crazy off the back of the cabin. Max breaks open the barrel. Max grabs his last two shells as a muscled arm reaches through the open door. Max recoils. It's the Bear Claw Biker! The cartridges fall to the floor. The bear claw rips the seat next to Max's right shoulder. Max zigzags the tanker down the highway, trying to keep the bear claw off his balance. Thud. The bear claw strikes again, this time through the rear window into Max's shoulder padding. The bear claw biker's foot slips, and Max screams with pain as the claws dig into his left shoulder. The bear claw hangs there, unable to move. Max tries desperately to reach the two cartridge shells rolling around on the floor. On the front of the tanker, the gay boy berserker pokes his head up for another look. Back to the erosion ditch. Papagallo spins the back wheels of the lone wolf machine, frantically trying to pull it out of the ditch, and it begins to move. Elsewhere off the road, the feral kid runs. Wes streams in behind the marauders in the bike and the streetcar. They are bearing down fast. When a rope drops from above, swinging past the kid. The kid grabs it and is hauled up just as the vehicles pass under him. The gyrocopter banks away. And the feral kid flies through the air, <laughs> hanging off a rope. I'm speechless. <laughs> Okay, there's no question as to why this was not included in the movie. Can you imagine that? Like, the gyro captain is flying, sees the feral kid running, and drops a rope, and then the kid just Tarzans up out of there. It's ridiculous. I... (laughs) All right. I need to keep going. A gay boy berserker in a road racer looks up to see the gyrocopter and the kid. He swings a four-pack around on its axis and fires. 
Three of the four arrows hit the gyrocopter in its underbelly. The aircraft makes a terrible noise and dips radically, dropping down towards the tanker. The kid clings desperately to the rope, looking up and then down at the rapidly approaching tanker. Back at the tanker cabin, Max struggles to free himself from the bear claws and tries to reload the gun. Quick interjection, the screenplay makes it sound like they are actual bear claws. So I think they are. In the movie, they're metal to to have been shaped and sharpened like Mm -hmm. bear claws. Okay. The gay boy berserker scrambles over the bull bar, reaching for the crossbow. Max lets go of the wheel and grabs the rearview mirror. (laughs) So goofy. It is so goofy. He grabs the rearview mirror, tearing it free and throwing it at the gay boy berserker. He slips back behind the bull bar. (laughs) So... It's so, it's kind of petulant. Yeah. He just grabs whatever is available and throws it at the bad guy. I feel like... And the bad guy retreats. We have been robbed of the opportunity to see Mel Gibson tear a rearview mirror off of its frame and just wing it at someone. Yes. And just have that someone, like, duck. Like, it's a food fight. It is. It's a food fight. That's exact. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the side of the tanker, we're at 155 at this point, while the gyro captain struggles to keep his machine in the air, the kid reaches out, trying to grab hold of the tanker's exhaust stacks. Bad idea. Doesn't matter, he can't reach anyway. The gyrocopter drops again, and the kid grabs the barbed wire, but can't hold on to it. Back in the tanker cabin, Max is struggling as well, pulling the bear claw out of his shoulder when he sees the feral kid... That's <laughs> another goofy thing. When he sees the feral kid fly past the missing driver's door, Max throws his arm out as far as it will go, grabbing hold of the kid, hauling him into the tanker. <laughs> just plucks him out of the air. Yes, he just plucks him out of the air. Oh my gosh. Max and the kid look out as the gyrocopter bucks wildly and crashes into the ground. As the marauders swarm around the tanker, a smegma crazy shoots out yet another tire. A mohawk biker fires, exploding another tire. Man, it's a good thing this thing started out as an 18-wheeler. Right, because we're already down three. Mm-hmm. Inside the cabin, Max shouts at the feral child, indicating the cartridges rolling around on the floor. The kid recovers the cartridges, and Max hands him the gun. The gay boy berserker has crawled back onto the bonnet and is reaching for the cross the kid tries to insert the first cartridge upside down and so max yells no the other way so the kid slips in the first cartridge and then the second he snaps the gun shut and tries to aim it at the gay boy berserker but can't find the trigger so the gay boy berserker raises the crossbow max grabs the gun and fires and the gay boy berserker just disappears over the side max rams the barrel into the left armpit of the bear claw biker and fires oh and the bear claw biker falls away leaving his arm and the crossbow gauntlet embedded in max's shoulder yeah yeah that just happened we jump to the rear of the tanker bellowing through his loudspeakers the humongous organizes the destruction of the tanker the four-pack streetcar surges forward discharges its arrows two more tires shred away this makes five the tanker shudders The feral kid looks out of the passenger window. Max struggles to control the tanker. The feral kid climbs through the smashed windscreen and onto the bonnet. Max watches as he picks up the crossbow lying on the bonnet. Get back, for Christ's sake. The kid doesn't understand. He clambers out onto the roof before Max can grab him. The (laughs) tanker shudders again as another tire is blown out. Max watches through the rear window as the kid jumps from the cabin to the top of the tanker and then disappears from view. This doesn't feel like an eight-year-old anymore. No, it does not. (laughs) On top of the tanker, 
The kid tries to load the crossbow as he clambers along the top of the tanker, but the bowstring is too powerful for him to draw back. Back at the rear of the tanker, another tire is shot out, and then another. One bogey falls down on the wheel rims. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's some lingo that I don't recognize. Yeah, so any of our listeners, if you can tell us what one bogey falls down on the wheel rims means. I'm assuming a bogey is... Like a rim? No, see, it falls down on the wheel rims. On the wheel rims. So is it like one axle? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Back on top of the tanker, the tanker lurches because one bogey fell down on the wheel rims, and the kid slips down onto the wire, and the crossbow clatters onto the road. Papagal has got the lone wolf machine back onto the road. He's starting to overhaul the pack heading for the right side of the tanker. Up ahead and on the left, we see Wes's tow truck drawing alongside the tanker. Pieces of tire are flailing everywhere. The tanker is down on one side, slowing. At the side of the tanker, the kid is trying to climb back onto the top of the tanker, but Wes's tow truck comes into view. Wes fires. The kid is pinned by his dog skins to the side of the tank. Uh Uh-oh. He tries to free himself. He tears the dogskin off the arrows and reaches up once more to the top of the tanker. Wes fires again. The arrow pierces the kid's arm, pinning him to the tank. I want to point out, I know Wes is a bad guy, but he is actively trying to kill a child. Yep. Just want to point that out. Yeah. Back to Max. He's fighting to bring the crippled tanker under control. He changes down, wrestling with the wheel, slewing across the road. Papagallo draws alongside his doorway, yelling, jump, it's finished, jump. Max turns around, looking for the kid. The tanker leaves the road and ramps up on the embankment, rolling to a stop. Jump, Papagallo says. But the kid, cries Max. Forget it, jump. Max hesitates. As the marauders swarm on top of the tanker, Papagallo guns the engine, spraying dust. Max leaps. The arm of the bear claw biker still embedded in his shoulder. He grabs the rear roll bar of the lone wolf machine, fighting to swing his feet clear, and finds a foothold as the machine roars away. Back on the tanker, the humongous draws up to it. Wes and a second mohawker are on top. Wes pulls open a hatch. The second mohawker plunges in his hand and lets out an anguished cry as he pulls out a handful of sand. Below, the humongous has opened the outlet hose and sand pours out onto the road. Above him, the kid is hanging by his arm. Despite the pain... He grins. The second Mohawker cries out, All this and no guzzling. That's right. It's not a Fury Road thing. It started way back here in the screenplay for Road Warrior. (laughs) Guzzling is not something they invented specifically for Fury Road. Nope. It's been here all along. (laughs) Don't call it a comeback. It's been here for years. Wes, pale with fury, speaks softly. I know where there's guzzling. Wes whirls around and fires his crossbow a move we've seen him do earlier in the movie. The arrow buries itself in the humongous's mask, and the big man crumbles to the ground, dead. Whoa. Holy cow. Wes just mutinied and killed Humongous. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of subtext here that I hadn't noticed until just now. Wes is saying, I know where there's guzzoline, and he kills Humongous. I think Humongous has been hoarding guzzoline for himself and his own machine. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only one who has tanks that big that he prioritizes Makes above sense other to me. people. Yeah. So the rest of the horde are arriving, and as their vehicle screech to a halt, two smegma crazies and two gay boy berserkers leap out, waving their jerry cans in the air because they think there's fuel in the tanker. 
Wes, the second Mohawker, and two others open fire and kill the four marauders that just arrived. So this is the Mohawkers just taking over. Absolutely. This is... Many things in this climax so far have, like, made my jaw drop to the floor, but this was the biggest one. Yeah. Back with Max and Papagallo. Max makes his way over the back engine of the speeding vehicle towards Papagallo. He tears the bear claw arm out of his shoulder. Through the screaming motor, we hear Papagallo laughing, almost hysterical. As Max eases himself down into the cockpit, Papagallo turns. We've done it! I thought it'd be impossible, but we've done it. Max yells, what about the kid? Papagallo replies, we've won, don't you see? The fuel was with the others. It's already at Powder River. Max reaches across and cuts the engine. The vehicle rolls to a stop. Max grabs Papagallo. What happened to the boy? Papagallo says, we've got to keep going. It's our only chance. Max raises the bear claw arm to Papagallo's face. We see that the crossbow strapped to the forearm is still loaded. The kid. I had to leave him. He was pinned to the rig. You left him there with them? Alive? There was nothing I could do. Max throws Papagallo out of the vehicle and takes the driver's seat. Papagallo is left standing in the dust as Max swings the lone wolf machine around. Oh. Oh my gosh. Papagallo is such a dick. (laughs) I I feel so justified in not thinking that he was that great a guy throughout this whole movie. Because it turns out he was a dick the whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. I, oh, I cannot, I love it. I love it so much. And I love that Max is so adamant about going back for him. Yeah, we don't get any of this No, in the movie. We with- get little hints here and there, especially, well, I think really mostly in the end chase with the tanker, that Max has like a deep love and sense of protection for kids that we'll definitely see more beyond Thunderdome. But this scene in the screenplay really spells it out. Yeah. And what he's going to do from here on out is so explicitly, I have to go save this innocent child. And the fact that he's using a disembodied arm as a weapon. (laughs) So badass. To threaten Papagallo. (laughs) And then he kicks him out and leaves him sitting on the side of the road. Yes. That's probably my favorite detail of this right here. In a couple of scenes down the way... They make note that Papagallos is walking along the side of the road. Yeah. It's so great. (laughs) Back at the tanker wreck, Wes is sitting at the wheel of the humongous machine. He and the three other marauders, all on bikes, accelerate away from the tanker where dead bodies just litter the ground. Wes urges the other three on, pursuing the lone wolf machine. As the humongous machine winds around the bend, we see the lone wolf vehicle approaching over a distant hill crest. Max guns the vehicle over the rise. Over his shoulder, we see the humongous machine, 400 yards away, approaching at terrific speed. Max steals himself, 300 yards. The two vehicles are on a direct collision course, 200 yards. The two victims have been taken from the front of the humongous machine, and something else is in their place. Max sees that it is the feral child, lashed there upside down. He throws the wheels, sending the vehicle into a slide, spinning clear of the humongous machine. The lone wolf vehicle spins around, thud into the bikes of two marauders flanking Wes. The third, a mohawk biker, follows Wes. As soon as Max has the lone wolf machine under control, he guns the two engines and is off after Wes. Two engines? Yeah, lone wolf has two engines. Okay. I don't think I ever realized that before. So we're up to 171. As the vehicle approaches, we see the kid, his head inches off the bitumen. I'm assuming that's road, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Wes looks back to see Max overtaking the Mohawk biker. As Max overtakes the Mohawk biker, 
He twitches the wheel. The big car swipes the bike, sending the Mohawker sailing off the road. Which is a power that vehicles have over bikes that I've been thinking about this entire series. Yeah. Both movies so far. We've got motorcycles versus cars. Cars can just bump the motorcycles and they're gone. The lone wolf surges away, catching up to the humongous machine. Wes looks back at the approaching machine. He floors the accelerator, redlining the engine. As the humongous machine surges into camera, we do a track in zoom on the feral child's face, turning the camera through 180 degrees. We are upside down as we rocket along the curving, undulating highway through a flock of birds toward a puddle of water as the water splashes on the lens. We cut to the humongous vehicle as it roars through the water, passing a startled Papagallo walking along the road. Max rockets past a few moments later. (laughs) So not only is he walking along the road, but he's walking next to a puddle, and then they splash him with the puddle, I assume. Yes, I would hope so. Yeah. Max raises the bear claw arm as he closes in on Wes, drawing alongside the humongous machine. Wes reaches down to the toggle switch next to the nitrous oxide bottles, waiting for the right moment. He flicks the switch. He is thrown back by the massive acceleration. The humongous machine surges away from camera. Max doesn't have the time to aim the crossbow still attached to the bear claw arm. He fires, the arrow disappearing in a blur. The humongous machine thunders away, rocketing along the open highway, eating up the white line. Upside down, the feral kid is terror struck. The humongous machine roars straight into a wide curve, leaving the road, continuing out into the wasteland. The humongous machine charges through the salt bush. Over Max's shoulder, we see that the vehicle is slowing. Max follows it out into the wasteland. The vehicle comes to a halt. Cautiously, Max draws alongside. Wes sits stock still, looking out at the desert beyond. It is not until Max is alongside his face that we see the tip of the arrow protruding from his left eye. On the front of the vehicle, the feral kid starts to sob. We transition to a hilltop at Powder River. It's dusk. Max stands on a hilltop overlooking Powder River. Below him, the convoy led by the yellow school bus moves out across the plain. A dust trail appears on the horizon, racing to intercept the convoy. Max lifts his broken binoculars. It's the gyro captain. Bumping along in the twisted wreck of the gyrocopter, its rotors gone, engines screaming. Max shakes his head and walks back to the lone wolf machine at top of the hill. We transition to the interior of the school bus. We see Papagallo, face set with determination, driving the yellow school bus. And once again, we hear the old man's voice. The narrator says in voiceover, Papagallo led us north to safety to a place in the sun. In the tenth year, nurturing his vision of a new world, he died felling timber. The lusty girl rolls her eyes and sighs as the gyro captain draws alongside her window. The captain and the girl waged war for years. Together they raised eight children. And as for me, the feral child sitting in the back of the bus turns to face us. His bright yellow eyes stare directly into camera. In the fullness of time, I became the leader, the chief of the great northern tribe. For the first time, we see the narrator's eyes. They are bright yellow. The narrator continues, as As for the road warrior, that was the last we ever saw of him. He lives now only in our memories. I like the detail of us actually dissolving to see the narrator. The feral child as an old man. Yeah. I don't think it's necessary. No, I don't think it's necessary. But it's a nice touch. It is. I like the detail of Arky and the gyro captain. And I love the way that he puts it. The captain and the girl waged war for years. Together they raised eight children. I really like that. It's a cute way of putting that they raised eight kids. Because that is war. It is you against them. That's funny because I interpreted that as him courting her for years. Oh, no, I think they waged war against their eight children. (laughs) That works. 
I think one of the biggest changes to this ending is that Papagallo lives. The gyro captain is still just pursuing Arky. Mm-hmm. And Max, he leaves off on, I'd say, like a more positive note than in the final film. I have feelings about Papagallo. Yeah. I think that he lost the right to lead these people by abandoning the feral child without a thought. Yeah. I think he forfeited his right to leadership. That was a cowardly move. And I don't think he should have been leader. It really upsets me that he did that, that he abandoned a child. It's one of those things where he was the only one to see it because Max doesn't rejoin the group. And so it's something that he has to live with, a private guilt that until the feral child really learns how to speak, no one else would know Mm -hmm. that Papagallo left the feral kid behind. Yeah. So maybe in that 10th year when he was out felling timber, maybe it wasn't so much an accident that killed him. Maybe it was just his guilt finally caused his heart to give out or something like that. Honestly, I hope so. It was a very low thing to do. And and yeah, he now has to live with himself and he didn't for very long. I'm I'm okay with that. So given the option, do you prefer the final version that we saw in the movie or would you have liked to see this version in the screenplay made real? That's a really tough question. If the screenplay had been made into the movie as is, as we read it, I think it would have, (laughs) it would have prepared me more for Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. Because Beyond Thunderdome definitely has a goofiness to it that seemed like it came out of the blue, but now reading this climax to Road Warrior, it didn't come out of the blue. Just none of the goofiness made it into the Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to choose between the one that got made and the one that's printed here, I definitely choose the Papagallo ending of the actual movie. Mm-hmm. I would rather he died heroically than taken his position as leader shamefully. Mm. Makes sense. Yes. I think I would definitely like to see the screenplay version put to film, not to overwrite the version that we have in the movie, but just to see it done. Because there's so many ambitious shots that George Miller put into this thing. Yes. That I would love to see brought to fruition. I definitely like the visual that there were so many more marauders that made it onto the tanker. Yeah. And that, yes, Max was taking them out, but they were being replaced. Mm Mm-hmm. And he only had so many shotgun shells and so many tools that he could use. And once again, the people who boarded the truck weren't responsible for the ending. In fact, the ending was a little anticlimactic because the chase ended because so many tires got blown out that he just couldn't continue on anymore. Yeah. Which seems the simplest way that could have gone. Yeah. The most common sense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what, you know, modern law enforcement does to bring down a runner Mm-hmm. You know, they take out his tires, mm-hmm. and it works most of the time. This was fun. It was fun. Looking at the screenplay like this. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the film as a whole. We're going to take a look at Max and the side characters, take a look at Humongous and Wes, and kind of do what we did at the end of Mad Max 79. We took a couple of episodes and did some real thought-provoking questions. So that's what we're going to do tomorrow. So come back for that. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy. 
and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 93 of The Road Warrior. We'll see you tomorrow.